Dill. Today's guest is the amazing Gina Glantz, co-founder of Gender Adventure, an organization working to ensure women are represented in the public dialogue based in New York City, where she lives. Glantz also founded a renowned national consulting firm, has managed presidential, congressional, and numerous state-level campaigns, and was a fellow at the Harvard Kennedy School Institute of Politics. I spoke to Gina Glantz by phone on April 2nd, 2020. Welcome, Gina Glantz. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me, Cynthia. Well, first off, what is it like to live in quarantine on the Upper West Side of Manhattan? I think it's very much like other people's experiences. We stay inside all day with the exception of three times when we walk our dog, um, usually just around the block, uh, staying at least six feet apart from anyone else who happens to be on the street. Now, have you or um, anyone in your family been tested one way or the other? No, no, I'm very happy to say none of us have. I have children and grandchildren, um, and we all are healthy and safe, and you know that is truly a blessing. When I spoke with Darnley Stewart, who I went to law school with and who lives in your building and serves as the board president, we spoke on March 20th for the podcast. And shortly after I spoke with Darnley, the governor of New York issued the order that non-essential workers had to stay home. So I understand Darnley and you perhaps have had to take over responsibilities in your building. Has that been a problem, not having a porter or a you know, janitorial services, that sort of thing? No, we're, we're a small building. Um, and one of the wonderful parts about living in this building is the camaraderie amongst the people who are here, though we are now standing uh, six feet apart. So if I walk out of my apartment and someone is at the elevator, I wait for them to go down before I go to the elevator and go down in the elevator on my own. Um, so it's, it just, uh, I think we all uh, know what we should do. We have an extraordinary super who's taken on multiple roles to protect us uh, at this time. And so, you know, I feel very privileged. I don't have to worry about paying my mortgage. I can have food delivered. Um, I'm trying to think about others in the wider world who have much more financial concerns and who are with little children in small uh, apartments. And so I, I have uh, luckily very little uh, to complain about. Your lifetime's work has been working for economic and social justice and giving vo- voice to the powerless. Who, in your opinion, is invisible during this pandemic? Invisible applies to an awful lot of people because we're seeing so few people, but who is invisible in terms of the strains on uh, on them? We have someone who cleans our apartment every week, and I know that she depends on what we pay her to pay her rent, and so we have paid her and will continue to pay her Uh, throughout the time when she cannot come to the apartment. I think that we don't give uh, probably enough credit to the people who work every day to keep the grocery stores clean and stocked 
and you know the individuals who we don't notice in our daily lives who are absolutely critical to our daily lives and to our lives now where how do you think gender politics plays into this pandemic if at all i know gender avenger your organization is mission is to give women a voice in the public dialogue and make sure that women are well represented. Do you feel that there's any gender imbalance in the public conversation that's taking place about the coronavirus? Yeah, I, I think that it's really important that we continue to be alert to gender balance in the conversations that are going on, in the recognition of the work that is going on, I believe 80% of nurses in this country are women um, and a large percentage of the doctors. I have a cousin who's an emergency room doc who sent me a picture of the um, outerwear that she's given to put on and she looks like the Pillsbury Doughboy. It is so big, like probably getting in the way of her moving. She tells me she only has you know, one mask she can use during any shift. And so, you know, I think... You know, we're discovering some of those gender biases that may have been around for a long time that are now being exposed by looking at and understanding the work of so many women who are, you know, day-to-day saving lives in the country. I think in terms of women's voices, uh, you know, one of the things that is happening is a lot of, if not all, conferences across the country have been canceled Many of them are converting to virtual conferences, and we at Gender Avenger are watching them to make sure that the voices at those conferences, whether they are talking about the coronavirus, whether they are talking about the profession they happen to come from that was going to have a conference, that that balance of voices is maintained or is improved. You know, oftentimes we hear, well, you know, I asked five women, they couldn't come to, you know, San Diego or whatever. Well, guess what? In the virtual world, they could be anywhere. So there should be no excuse for there not being women's voices in really everything that we see um, when people are gathering through Zoom or other virtual platforms. Do you think in a time of crisis that women can rise to the occasion? And more importantly, do you think that the public is open to having women lead during a crisis? Well, I certainly think when you look at, you know, Governor Whitmer in uh, Michigan um, and you, you know, look at some of the voices uh, from Washington, I happened to see Senator Kamala Harris uh, on TV the other night, uh, that these are incredibly powerful voices for us. And look, women in their daily lives, they take on the big responsibilities, Um, And so for them to, they're not stepping up. They're just perhaps being recognized more for what they do in their households. Um, And I think there may be, um, you know, some men out there who see, you know, how the women they live with are, you know, balancing uh, the caretaker, you know, mother, professional roles. um, And what that means and how strong women are to do all of those things. So perhaps people will come to recognize uh, even more 
right? Uh, the effort that women make in their daily lives um, in, uh, you know, supporting their family and hopefully having the opportunity to speak about it and to sort of reveal uh, their leadership qualities to the world. Your governor, Governor Cuomo, is certainly getting a lot of attention, as well as, of course, the president, as you know, and, and others. Sure. Are you satisfied with the government's response to the pandemic? Yeah. Well, clearly, the federal government has failed in many ways. I don't think I have to list them. It's easy to find them. What do you think the is gov- the biggest failure of the federal government? I think the biggest failure was the unwilling to, unwillingness to recognize the severity of the crisis. So we are behind the willingness to um, allow you know, companies to sell masks all around the world when we don't have enough for our healthcare workers. Um, you know, it, I think that it was just a failure of leadership. And you know, the credit being given the president for finally being somber, I, I find that just, you know, Okay, so the guy had one somber moment. But in the meantime, the policies and the actions have not really, you know, been what they should be, Um, that they, um, you know, we needed the kind of leadership that Andrew Cuomo is giving. He's being direct. He's being honest. He's being forceful um, in terms of his uh, instructions. Uh, to the people he represents. And that's what we needed from the beginning, from the federal government. You know, we now have this billion-dollar, you know, package, which seems awfully nice to big corporations and had within it things that had to be corrected through sort of social action, such as they announced that if you receive Social Security and you were going to get the $1,200 from the government, you're going to have to report it on your income tax. Well, fortunately, that was reversed, but it shouldn't have been there to begin with. So, you know, I think we've had a, you know, a, a, in many ways, devastating failure at the federal level. And we are seeing governors, and as I've read about them, both Democratic and Republican governors, uh, many of whom have responded, you know, very forcefully. And then, of course, there are those who, you know, are going out to dinner and telling, you know, I mean, it's just... You know, some of them are quite ridiculous. I saw a comparison between Tennessee and Kentucky, where one has a Democratic governor and one has a Republican governor, and the instances of contagion is dramatically different. You know, and it happened to be that the Democratic governor got up and said, I'm closing these things down. These are the things we have to do. And the Republican governor just acted as our president was early on that this is not going to be a big deal. We're going to be finished with it by Easter, right? And, you know, that leads to the gathering of people, which leads to the more and more people you know, getting the virus. Are you happy with the response to the pandemic from the Democratic presidential contenders? Of course, J- Joe Biden and Bernie right, Sanders. Right. I think they're doing what they can do. I, Are you supporting you know, one lot- or the other? Yes, I, I support uh, Joe Biden. Um, you know, I early on, he was not my first choice, but I think he is, in fact, now the right choice for the moment. 
Um, he has this incredible understanding of what's happening in people's lives. Uh, he has the experience within the government to know how to pull the levers of government to make things happen. And, you know, there is a, you know, a meme, you know, where's Joe, which sadly seems to be uh, perpetrated by the uh, Bernie people. Um, but the fact is, you know, I think Joe Biden is doing what he can. You know, he can be uh, in his rhetoric comforting, but he doesn't have the power to do anything. Right? So we can't expect that somehow he's going to make something happen. I think that uh, Bernie Sanders' efforts to raise money for various you know, organizations and individuals that need help is a very fine thing to do, and I compliment him for that. But it is hard when you're trying to get your voice in the middle of the 24-hour right, you know, cycle of the president and the doctors and you know, the personal stories, and it's hard to break through. Are you concerned so, at all about the election and the consequence of the pandemic will have on the election? You know, I think it's impossible to predict what the consequence consequence will be. What I do think is that we don't know how we'll be voting, where we'll be voting, right? That individual states are trying to figure out you know, how maybe they do vote by mail or if they have to change the date of the primary, as this happened in New York. And, you know, actually, um, Gender Avenger, we have been thinking about what could we do to elevate women's voices and have a positive role in this 2020 election during this time. And we are developing something, we won't be out with it for a number of months, that we hope will allow people from their homes to not only register to vote, but to really keep up with what's happening in their state so that they uh, know where they should go, how they can vote, what is the timing, and to encourage more women to vote. That's right, because there is power, and Gender Venture is about power. It is, there is power in the voice of voters, and what we want to see is more and more women voting, and that is the underpinning of what we hope to do. Well, Gina Glantz, last question. Uh, what have you learned, or will you live your life any differently post-coronavirus? I will, um, you know, I like to think that the life I lived and the work I did and the family relationships that I've had will continue. There will be a period of intensity around all of that. But I want to go forward, not different. I mean, I'm 77. So what's different for me will not be different for my grandchildren who are 16, 11, and 4. Their whole life experience will create a difference for them. But for me, you know, I think clearly there'll be a lot. I think a lot of people will use um, virtual technology to talk to each other. I hope that doesn't mean we'll see less of each other, but I do think that will happen. And, you know, I think it's easy to say we'll treasure every moment, 
Um, and I like to think I treasure the moments with my family and my friends now and will continue to do so. Well, Gina Glantz, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you very much for having me. And I wish everyone who listens uh, safety and good health. And if people want to learn more about Gender Avenger, how would they do that? It's really easy. They just go to www.genderavenger.com and they will learn everything they need to know. And we hope that they'll sign up. We have a newsletter. It only goes out twice a week. They'll be happy to hear. One is an action alert and one is called The Weekender and it has an original blog. So I'd be delighted to see a spike in, uh, uh, in subscriptions so that we can let more people know uh, about what they can do to ensure that women's voices are valued in the public dialogue. Gina Glass, thanks so much. Take care. You too. Bye-bye.